This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parents Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. On the Mainspring Family Wellness Podcast, where we discuss all things parenting and all things family wellness, one of the topics we haven't broached yet is fostering spiritual wellness for your family through your personal faith, values, and service. A family spirituality can be seen as following a religion, having a moral compass, or living out a set of values. Sometimes our children can also ask tough questions that we may not feel equipped to answer. There is a growing trend of parents who don't want to lead their children in a certain direction because it's a personal choice. Well, we thought these topics may be really helpful to raise on Mainspring, and so we have asked Pastor Inez Franklin to join the conversation to share her thoughts. Hi, Inez. Hi. (laughs) Could you share a little bit about yourself with our audience? Sure. Again, my name is Inez Franklin. I'm a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church. I am the founder and president of Trochia Ministries. It's an online ministry. In this world of us searching for every bit of information on the Internet, I, years ago, in 2010, I decided to start sharing matters of faith on the Internet, and that's what we do, try to disciple people uh, on the Internet. And then I have a new podcast called Uncharted with Inez Franklin, which uh, launched this year, so I'm working on that. And I am the CEO, CFO, COO, and bossy pants of my big family. (laughs) (laughs) And with your podcast, Uncharted, what is the theme of that? Yes, I'm trying to actually tell stories of people who are in on their journey of faith and experiencing a, a struggle of some type. Uh, it's truly very normative that we all experience some level of crisis on our journey of faith, questions, doubts, etc. And I just want to share stories so people see that, hey, they're not alone, and these things are normal, and we can get through them. Great. And you're also a female Latina pastor at a major <laughs> non-denominational church. Can you share with us a little more about that journey? How did you get there? It's truly, I can only give God the credit for that because there's there's no path. A lot of times people say, well, how did you do this? Because I want to do this too. And God opened all the doors. I felt called to teach in 2005, but I had just started reading the Bible for the first time. So mm-hmm. it made no sense. But I trusted God on the journey. I ended up in seminary along that journey. And in the middle of seminary, Mariner's Church said, hey, you're in seminary. Do you want to come and teach here? And I started teaching uh, back in 2010 and have been teaching there since. So it's been a real journey. I am the first female uh, teacher there that teaches both men and women in the various contexts. And, yes, it's it's pretty fun to be the one female Latina to kind of break ground for others, to feel like, hey, I can do this too. I can't tell you how many people have said, I didn't think this was possible but mm. seeing you doing it makes me feel like I can as well. And they can trust God with the calling. So, well, out- yeah. Outstanding. So, Inez, in, in your experience, how are you seeing families embracing their faith and sharing that with their children? Well, matters of spirituality are a must. I, I, I do think uh, we often forget that we are all um, beings that, that reflect. We think about our own existence. Uh, we think about 
what is this life about, right? Uh, is this it? Is there something after? Is there a creator? Where did I come from? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Those are just normal, everyday questions. But when life gets hard, when we suffer, those questions get even louder. So I do, I do believe that, um, especially today in the world, that there's so much that is really in our face, uh, especially these last years. I think matters of spirituality are, are so important. I, I think we often forget that we are spiritual beings, that we seek out big questions about our existence. We self-reflect, like, why am I here? What is this life about? Um, what is my purpose? Is there a creator, right? And so, and especially when life gets hard, when we, mm-hmm. we're dealing with a struggle, when we see a crisis, when we see the world in crisis, we ask those questions even louder. And I think right now those questions are being asked. They're being asked by our children. <laughs> we're asking them. And so I, I just see families having to deal with more of this, not, not less but more. So sometimes our children come up with wild questions, and we don't have answers for them, like um, are our pets in heaven? What happens when we die? Um, these are big questions that are difficult for parents to answer. How would you advise a well-intentioned parent to answer their elementary school-age child? Well, to me, those are the best years. I, I have nine grandchildren, and, you know, it's been so fun to watch them ask these questions even from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I asked those questions when I was very, very young. These are such powerful, important questions that really we ask all our lives, but we really start to ask them at that age. And so I, I like how you pose the question, wild questions. Uh, in, in one way, yes, they are wild questions, but in the other, they are elementary questions that we all ask. And so the first thing I think it's important for parents to, to affirm and, um, and, and let the children know these are really good questions to ask. That's mm-hmm. a great question. You're reflecting. You're thinking about your life and what does it mean. And, you know, for example, it's the pet. Losing a pet, right? That teaches us so much about life and death and grief mm-hmm. and love um, and our existence and, and purpose. There's a lot of great conversations that can come out of that. So I think I would advise parents to lean in. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are many questions we don't have answers to. I mean, we don't know a lot of things. And that's an okay to say, mm-hmm. thing to say to our child. I don't know, but here's what I believe, or here's what I want to believe, or here's what I wish for. And then you can join them on this dream of, of perhaps what we hope it is and talk about hope and the power of hope and talk about faith, how we all have faith in things all the time. We're always putting our faith in a variety of things that we don't have answers for. Mm. And then that becomes another conversation. Like we get in the car and we think it's going to drive. We're, we're not thinking the wheels are going to fall off, right? When they do, we're surprised because we put our faith in the car. So again, that, all these questions just breed for great conversations. And conversations are a great way to connect with our children and build deeper relationships. I think as long as we're keeping the communication lines open yes. and never putting out judgment statements of like, well, that's kind of a stupid question or that's yes. wrong or, well, you mm-hmm. shouldn't think like that. Yes. Yes. Right. Or even, you know, I would say not even saying that's a wild question. It's more like that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I asked that question myself. Mm-hmm. I still ask myself that question or ask that question. And there's places we can learn. Let's go learn together. Mm-hmm. I can tell you why I'm passionate about that. I was seven when I asked a really big question. If God created everything and there was nothing before he created it, that's what I was being told, um, I wanted to know where was he standing? 
That's a perfectly good question. There was right. nothing before yeah. he created. Is he like right. floating out there somewhere? Right. And that's yeah. how kids think. And I, I thought that was a good question. I wanted to understand this God I was being told about. But I was told I had no faith, that that was, wow. that was a bad question to ask. And I was shamed in front of others and sent to the back of the church to pray and ask God for forgiveness for my lack of faith. Mm. And that's shaming. And that immediately shuts down conversation and connection. So... That's the kind of thing I want to avoid children experiencing because it shuts down curiosity. And I think we should all remain curious. Mm, I love that. You know, there's a growing generation of parents that want their children to make up their own minds for spirituality. What are your thoughts on that process? Like, in your opinion, what's an age that's appropriate for children or adults um, slash adults to make up their own minds? A lot of good things being said in this question. Uh, First of all, you know, the idea that children can make up their own minds. I want to believe that. I do. And I do think as individuals, we do make up our mind at some point in our journey. And when you ask what age, it really depends on the kid, right? Because some kids are asking really big questions very young, and some kids don't even care. They're not thinking about those things. So I do think you have to think age appropriately. Um, But I don't know that children, especially when they're children, can make up their own minds. They're actually looking to us to model certain things, to teach on certain things. And uh, I think it can be very confusing when we refuse to give kids some level of information. When we're saying, well, I won't talk about that. I won't share you the various things because you have to make up your own mind. That's kind of leaving them out uh, to look elsewhere for those options. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important. Of course, we want children to make up their own mind. We can't help but not, because children will, whether we like it or not. I mean, look how many things we want to teach our children, and they make up their own minds about it. I want you to keep the room clean. And some decide, no, I don't like a room clean. I like my mess. Children make up their mind either way. But when it comes to marriage of spirituality, I think it's important for parents to share information that they have and let children make those decisions um, with information, first of all. Second, understand that as a parent, you're already modeling something. You can't hide that, that your children can see that you're living out some level of spirituality. It doesn't matter what faith you're in, or even if you're an atheist, you're still living out a level of spirituality that is noticeable by children. And so I think having a conversation, going back to that have conversations is really important. And then realize that every age, every child may reach these points of questions or even these decisions at different ages. Sometimes they're very young. There are children as young as four years old. I'll give you an example. Um, I actually um, ministered to a four-year-old who decided, I believe in God, but his parents did not. Hmm. And his parents uh, were really hard on him for making this decision. And it just so happened I was sitting down with him at a, at a dinner party, and he, he told me. He, he heard I was a pastor. He just told me. He's like, I believe there's a God, but my parents say it's not true. So here— and, and Wait a second. He was four? Four years old. Wow. <laughs> four years old. And I—here's I, a four-year-old who made his own mind, mm-hmm. regardless of the parents. And so it could be at any age. Uh, and so I think we should be sensitive to hearing where our kids are making their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be careful where we're looking to adjust that decision, of course. 
we already know a lot of kids who feel like they were pressured in a certain way. And I think oftentimes we will look back at our parents and think, well, you pressured me to go in a certain direction, and it's maybe overkill. But there are sometimes parents who do force kids not to hear other opinions or, or perceive other ideas. And eventually they hit those things when they go to college or in their high school. They have a friend somewhere who goes, well, that's not true. Let me tell you why. And so uh, I think it's important to walk with each child individually in their journey, but also let them know there are, are people who don't believe this. You it's know, this, okay. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of um, the three types of parenting styles, whether you are authoritative, authoritarian, mm. or permissive. So I can see the application here with even in the context of spirituality. If you are an authoritarian parent, you're impressing upon that child, kind of forcing them into a certain doctrine. Mm -hmm. If you're authoritarian, you're coming from that position of teaching, Mm -hmm. of modeling, of being in the discussion with them, Mm -hmm. walking alongside. And if you're permissive, then you may be actually too lenient in your boundaries. Maybe everything's okay. And then not instilling enough of a foundation for your child to know concretely, like, this is where my family stands, or this is where, you know, this is what mom and dad think, but I'm in discussion with them over this. Like, everything just becomes okay. Yes, yes. So how do you counsel families that are interfaith, you know, meaning both parents have their own faith and they're they're teaching their children about both? Um, Sometimes this can can create difficulties or and sometimes it works what are, what are your thoughts it really depends on say the the family members and how they are, deal with their differences so i think it starts at at the adults mm-hmm. how do they deal with the differences in their faith values or, or their beliefs if they're able to have a good healthy conversation about them and they know like here's where my belief ends and where your starts and vice versa and i respect that you have a different opinion and you respect that I have a different opinion, a different belief system, obviously their relationship is going to work better for that. Mm-hmm. While it is hard to have two very different foundational values of faith and, and build a relationship, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. So if the adults can do it, they can model that well to the children, and then they can give the children good information. Once again, this is just being honest with children that out there in the world, as they become adults themselves, they're going to experience and see all kinds of different faith expressions, lots of different religions, right, and different churches. I mean, it doesn't take much. You're driving around the street. Why are there so many churches on the street, right? So these questions are going to come whether you like them or not, whether you're all united as a family or not. But when you have a, a, a family that has multiple faiths being expressed, then I do think it's an opportunity to to present the children with, here's at least two options, but there's more out there. And if you're more curious, we can share more, which reminds me, when this whole area of spirituality, we should never get ahead of our children. Hmm. In other words, to the level, level to which they are curious and they're interested, we can provide information and support. But I think where we get into trouble is when we get ahead of them and we start pounding them with information they can care less about. Mm. And now it becomes a very negative experience to talk about matters of spirituality and faith. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I always, I know with my children, I always go, I always cross the line. I, I always do because I'm a teacher and I just teach. And so now, you know, especially my youngest daughter would say, okay, mom, I, I got enough. I'm done. But she could express that to me, and I knew to stop. Sometimes mm-hmm. kids don't, mm-hmm. uh, and they're already tuning us out. 
and maybe a piece of information that sometime later would have been received really well now becomes a negative thing they don't want to receive or hear. So I think it's important to go along the journey with your children's curiosity or pique their curiosity if we don't think they're there. If, say, for example, you you have a dog, a pet that dies, and now we get to talk about death and grieving and all that, and we have a child that doesn't is not asking those questions. Mm-hmm. You can say, "Does this make you think about? This makes me think about life and death and grieving. Do you have questions about that?" Like you can pique the, the yeah. curiosity instead of you know, "Oh gosh, then I'm going to talk about. It. I have to wait for another dog, you know, 15 more years before I can have this conversation or some other time." It's okay to pique the curiosity. It's not okay to go, "Okay, we're going to have a conversation about death and and, and grieving when they're not ready for it." So. And so what are the most important tenets or values that families can impart to their children? How do we go about exhibiting those, modeling? Well, yeah, obviously the values that you hold as a parent, right? Because we all have our values. We all operate out of a set of values. So passing those values, articulating those values, practicing those values, and even adjusting as you feel like you need to. So first you have to start with, what do I believe? What do I believe? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what, what is my position on this? Where are my questions? And having that understanding is important. A lot of times we're, oh, my goodness, especially with little children, we're so busy. We're running around trying to just deal with the everyday needs. Uh, these are matters that in some way feel privileged to talk about. They're, they're much the broader things. But they can happen in a car drive or over dinner, you know, everything from, Say, for example, we're going to pray before a meal. Okay, why do we pray? What's the power of prayer? Is is this important? Who are we praying to? What happens if our prayer is not answered? A whole bunch of conversations can happen there. And that's another place to, again, instill values. Um, and so it, I, to me, every single lesson, whether it's two kids not getting along and, and we're talking about why is it important to be kind to one another? Like, where do we get that from? Um, why is it that we can't just do what we want? All the time. You know, is, is it okay for us to just make our own decisions and not care about what someone else thinks? Or is it, or is it too much to think about what people think? You know, we're always talking about values anyway. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to matter of, matters of faith, being intentional as well. And as what if you raised your children in, in your faith to live a certain way and they stop living that way? I mean, the child decides it just doesn't work for them. How do you counsel parents in this particular situation? Because I think there's a lot of us, including myself, even with my oldest right now being in college and seeing that, you know, she doesn't necessarily want to go to church or she doesn't necessarily want to even pray before a meal. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel really sad. <laughs> I know. And, you know, isn't that one of the hardest parts of being a parent? Because we feel responsible to build our children up as best as we can to, into adults. We impart what we know onto them. We try to model things to them as faithfully as we can, knowing that we're also <laughs> broken people. And then they make their own decisions. They have their own mind. They, get to, they have their own agency. And on the one hand, it feels um, defeating because we've worked so hard and on the other hand, we can go, yay, you can think for yourself. You have your mm-hmm. own opinions. So it's a very conflicting time. Mm-hmm. I had that with my, uh, one, one of my daughters when she was 16. She came to us one day and said, I'm not going to church anymore. I feel like a hypocrite when I go there because I don't believe this. I don't believe this anymore. Mm-hmm. I have two specific problems with God, two things that I disagree with. 
And since I can't agree with 100% of what God says, I'm done. And I, I it was like shocking. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the first thing, if we can at the moment or sometime later, is to um, affirm our children for thinking, for trying to sort out their own beliefs. At, at one point or the other, we all have to own what we believe. Mm. And we go a long way on borrowed faith, uh, especially our parents' faith. And then at some point, we have to decide for ourselves. And so especially children that are in your therapist, so you, you know the terms better than me, but, you know, there are certain, certain people that tend to be more, they submissive, they just go along with the flow. And then at some point, they wake up and go, wait, do I believe this? And so I would affirm that. I would say, hey, you're thinking for yourself. You're trying to make your own decisions. And obviously, you reached a different conclusion than where we were. Mm-hmm. And that saddens me because, I, you know, I, I still believe this. Uh, but And I said that to my daughter. And I said... Please stay curious. Whatever it is, you're on a journey. You're asking good questions. Don't stop searching for answers. Mm. And I look back, and that was a, you know, an instinct at the time, but I look back, and that was a, a really wise decision. I also affirmed her for not wanting to be a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I said, that's a high value, and I, I affirmed that. If you, don't want to, if you feel like a hypocrite going there, then you can stay home. Some people told me, wow, that's crazy. I forced my kids to go to church. This is what we're doing as a family. We decided no. We, felt, we just felt that for her that would have been harmful. And it would have made her feel like she, we were trying to make her be something that she's not. And so we respected that. We went to church, and she stayed home for a couple of years. You know what I so appreciate about what you're sharing right now is that you and us have this ability to get out of the way hmm. of your children's struggles with something. You don't make it about yourself Mm. or about like, well, this is where the family stands and you need to align with that. Mm. You give space for their curiosity, for their for their own or owning of their story and journey. And I think that's just great. Maybe it came for me because I, I felt so. like mine was yes. not all, I didn't have that. Right. So I think I do go out of my way to help my children feel like they can make their own decisions. I respect them enough that um, they can go out, it, it could get a little messy. And right. I always told them, I said, listen, when you're, when you're out there making these decisions, realize that there's consequences sometimes when we take the wrong turn, when we when we start to believe something that's harmful to us. And so, yeah, you have to be wise. I'm always here to answer questions. And so if there's anything that you feel like, okay, tell me about this. I want to know about this religion. I want to know about this or the other, that I'm always here. I I love it. It's something I'm passionate about. So feel free to come. And, you know, she did come around. She was almost 19 Hmm. when one day she said to me, uh, she started reading the Bible again, and she said, Mom, I decided uh, that I don't have to agree with God on everything, but he's still God. So I'm going to l- learn more about him. I said, okay. Hmm. And then later she started going back to church. And so, you know, and now she's on a different journey. But, but the most important thing is let them own their journey and then be willing to walk with them. Nice. What about families that do not have a faith? I mean, how do you teach children to have a moral compass without faith? We all have faith. We all have faith. We all believe in something. Again, even the atheist believes in something. Mm. And so we are passing a faith of some sort to our children. That's the most important thing. The question is the moral compass. I think 
all faiths have some level of moral compass, and that has a positive and a negative. On the one hand, a moral compass or a moral conviction of some sort helps us define between bad and good. And ideally, we want our children to do good and think good and add good to the world and all that. Uh, But on the other hand, a moral compass by itself can be exhausting because now we're in performance. Mm. We're trying to be good. I, I know for myself, when I ran away from my experience with God because I was so shamed for not trusting him, I went on a moral journey of, okay, I'll just be good because obviously God's watching over me. He's out there somewhere, and I will get in trouble if I'm not good. Well, that's exhausting because we can't all be good all the time. So I think as parents, it's very important to recognize we have a faith of some sort to be aware of it and then um, help our children because whatever moral compass they pick up, whether it's our own or something from outside of us, from a variety of different religions that are available to them, it's either going to be a freeing experience or it's going to be a, a shaming experience or, or even an exhausting experience. Mm. So, yeah, I think you cannot escape um, the importance of teaching children um, some level of faith, understanding. The other thing, too, is life can be extremely hard. Right? We know it can be extremely hard. And there will be times in life where we are really stretched to have hope for the next day. Mm. And so children who have no sense of hope for, for life, uh, life even after life, um, th- they can lose hope and when, the, when things get tough. So there is, a, there is a danger when we don't give kids a sense of hope that's beyond us, beyond our human experience. Because this life can get to feel sometimes, well, I don't want to live here. This is, I'm out. And you yeah. see a lot of children, sadly, you make those decisions. Yeah, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I did a study on bitterness. Mm. And um, the conclusions for some of the bitterness re- or embitterment research that's out there is that there's two things that really help people uh, journey through bitterness, and it's hope and mm. forgiveness. Mm. So without hoping for something for your future, you can't really move through bitterness because bitterness is so much about something's happened to me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm justified to hold the stance over like, you know, I'm angry with the world as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then forgiveness. And when I think about the values probably that cross all faiths, I would think that forgiveness is really a key value for families to continue to to work with because yeah. it's – the reparative process is so important in relationships. Yes. If we yes. can't ask for forgiveness, if we have hurt somebody else, or if we can't also take our own personal responsibility for how we have behaved towards someone else or something that we did, mm-hmm. right, then we can't really repair relationships. That's right. And we can't grow. That's right. That's true. Now, some of us have also grown up in faiths or organized religions where devastating crimes have been committed. And as our kids get older, often this knowledge is learned. What are your thoughts on navigating this conversation? Don't run away from it. Yeah. It's, this is one you want to run away from. But it's, not the, it's those people over there. I mean, again, this is an area where pretty much people of any faith can identify with, um, where you do, there's a sense of shame for how your community of faith has behaved, how individuals or organizations have behaved, and, and there's shame associated with that. So I think with our children, especially as they get older, I think it's important that, well, let's just start when they're younger. 
when they're younger, and this is something we can model as parents in every area, and that is a humility that we all make poor choices, that we make mistakes, that we have poor judgment at times, that we get caught up in certain ways of thinking that then become harmful to us and to others. That's just a human experience. That gets carried into places of influence and power, right? And so you now have leaders of religious groups or whatever who start to do things with that power from the humanness <laughs> that they carry. Yeah. So, so, and that means they get to do bigger damage. I always told my kids, okay, there are consequences to our actions, but the consequences as you get older get bigger and harder to recover from. Yeah. And so the more power we have, the, the, more the bigger the consequences, the more difficult they are to recover from. And so I think this stems back to a conversation with our children about human brokenness. Mm. That this, this our human tendency to be prideful, selfish, self-serving, um, to want power, to abuse power, to, um, to misuse good things uh, for our own purposes. That's across the board, beyond faith, religions, whatsoever. That's really a life experience. And that while we should take responsibility for our part in it, we should also not lump everyone under that category. Mm -hmm. So if we if we hear about some people of a different faith where, uh, you know, they certain things happen within that faith, we should not lump every person of that faith on, okay, so everybody who's a Christian who's, you know, that's happened over there, so all Christians are bad, or all Muslims are bad because this happens. You know, we should, we should definitely look at each person for themselves and their faith, including ourselves, and, and be accountable, of course, and understand we too can fall into some of those conditions. And we should mourn. Mm. I do think we should mourn and grieve the terrible injustices that take place even in the name of religion and faith. Mm -hmm. That we should never hide that reality from our children and try to gloss over it. It's, it's an injustice. Yeah. And kids especially are attuned to injustice. Sometimes better than us. So true. They, they, are, they yes. can tell when something's unjust, and when we gloss over it or throw it under the carpet, it, it, it makes them doubt their intuition that justice is important, but justice is very important to all of us. You know, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking that some parents that hear this may actually feel guilty that they're not doing enough mm. of of this in, in terms of like a conversation about faith or imparting their values. Mm. How would you speak to those parents that yeah. might be feeling guilty? <laughs> First of all, I, that's not the goal, right? right? What we want to do is equip and help and come alongside. And so uh, d don't feel guilty. You know, there's always a time to have a conversation. I can tell you for myself, I did not start having faith conversations with my children until they were in their teens because I wasn't, thinking about those things. I wasn't. It wasn't even in my radar. Oh, I can look back and say, wow, if I had an opportunity when they were younger, you know, these great conversations I could have had with them. Um, so I, I, I lament that, and I can be sad about that, but that's different than guilty. Guilty makes me feel like I can't do something about it today and tomorrow, but mm. I can. And so, yes, we can be sad about lost opportunities, but there are many more opportunities today and tomorrow. And start start somewhere start just start well this has been a great conversation and as thank you so much for joining us on mainspring family wellness my pleasure thank you mm -hmm.